two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector, a devout religious person revered for his dedication to God, and a traitor, a Roman collaborator. They go into a temple. I can't help but hear the beginning of so many jokes, a holy one and a traitor go into a bar. And sometimes it helps with these parables to imagine them today. Not just imagine yourself as one of the characters, but perhaps imagine them playing out in a modern context. In this case, in scripture, we have Jesus telling of a religious person praying, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and not this tax collector. And this prayerful soul affirms some of the tougher spiritual practices he faithfully observes for God. I fast two times a week. I tithe, give a tenth of my income. And the traitor, the person from the same community who's collecting taxes for the occupying forces, the Romans, which is a job with tons of room to abuse and overcollect, to fleece his neighbors. This guy is bowing his head and praying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Total honesty, total contrition in the temple. And I wonder today, would Jesus put this story in the temple of social media? Would the saintly religious one tweet to God, perhaps to at Almighty God, which actually exists. At Almighty God, thanks to you, I am not a liar, cheater, or backstabber. Hashtag living right. Hashtag good guy. Hashtag praise God. And then that extra brag treat tweet. At Almighty God, tithing and fasting for you. Hashtag, not easy. Hashtag, doing it anyway. Hashtag, worth it. Now that versus the villain, at Almighty God, help me. Hashtag, guilty. Hashtag, so sorry. Then at Almighty God's response, well, she retweets the villain's plea for help, adding the comment, I've got you. Hashtag forgiven. Hashtag I love you. But for the religious one, she tweets, careful of your high horse. Hashtag self-righteous. Hashtag beware. Hashtag I love everybody. Seems pretty straightforward, this parable, a religious one bragging, looking down on the other, the, not the hashtag good guy that he thinks he is. And the sinful, repentant tax collector, that's the posture we should be, the posture we should have towards God. And the parable ends with Jesus seeming to affirm this, saying that the tax collector went home justified meaning in right relationship with God. 
and asserting, Jesus asserts a people on their high horses who judge others and revel in their own awesomeness will be brought down. And the people who humbly lay out the ways that they've been, they have strayed, way out, lay out to God their need for God, they'll be lifted up. Now, if you think about it, this conclusion has a bit of a twist. If we come down, yeah, Pharisee, not so great. Tax collector, he's got it right. By deciding that the Pharisee is the hashtag bad guy, we've subtly slipped into the position of being the Pharisee ourselves. We're judging him. So this is a twist in this parable with an invitation to examine the way we look at others and judge others, to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Plays out so subtly in our lives. It can sometimes hide in thoughts and prayers like, there but for the grace of God go I. Now that's not a horrible thought or prayer per se, but it does often pop up when we see others who are messed up more than we are, or really messed up in ways we used to be. So thank you, God, for saving me from being as messed up as them. I'm not like them anymore. Phew. As if God's grace isn't there for the ones who are messed up and isn't already active in the lives of those who aren't living right who aren't doing what we're doing. There but for the grace of God go, I isn't in and of itself a terrible thought or prayer because it could be one totally oriented to God with profound gratitude that regardless of what we've done or left undone, God's grace is alive in our life. It could be an acknowledgement to God of our need and our dependence on God's help. So what's at play here with that thought and in the parable is actually the orientation of our hearts. Are we oriented towards ourselves, justifying ourselves by comparing ourselves to others? Are we looking at the world and ranking ourselves? Or are we oriented to God with the awareness and gratitude that God is the ultimate source of healing the ultimate source of mercy, love, forgiveness, and grace. So the spiritual practices of the religious one, those practices themselves are not being thrown under the bus. It's just of praying and fasting and giving back to God and the practices we've been talking, for those of you who are taking the way of love class that we've been talking up there, they're not checks checkbox items to prove to God how great we are or to even prove to ourselves because we don't feel worthy. The practices are invitations to get into deeper, more honest relationship with God. The call in this parable is one to humility and to realizing that self-sufficiently, self-sufficiency doesn't work. We aren't perfect. We need God's love. And the more aware we are and the more honest we are about how much we need God, the more our hearts become humble. Now we live in a culture that 
radically upholds the power of self, the power of me, self-actualizing, the self-made man, the solo entrepreneur, the great artistic solo visionary, shelves upon shelves of self-help books, and then online, list upon list of the top 10 things we can do to better ourselves, all by ourselves. And now there are even the 100 ways to fill in the blank, to better ourselves. So Jesus' call to humility is radically countercultural. And buried in it, deep in it, deep in this humility, is the call to see each other as God sees us, all of us, equally human, equally worthwhile, equally fallible, and equally loved. When we extol ourselves, it's hard to see others as the equally beloved children of God. And here's the hard part. We can't force humility. The minute we think we're humble and get happy about that, we're back in that land of holier than thou. When I was a kid, my father got a promotion to be principal of a school, and he had a box of matchbooks made in honor of this promotion, elegant white ones with silver lettering, the humble prince. He loved poking fun at how tempting it is to uphold our humility with pride. Now, Mother Teresa took a stab at making a list of ways we can practice humility, can grow into humility. And the very first thing she starts with is saying to speak as little as possible of oneself. Well, I'm not good at that one says she, speaking of herself. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. So Mother Teresa goes on to say that practices we can adopt to, to invite humility, to help us become more humble, are things like to mind one's own business, not to want to manage other people's affairs, to accept contradictions and correction cheerfully, to pass over the mistakes of others, to accept insults and injuries, to accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked, to be kind and gentle even under provocation, never to stand on one's dignity, and to choose always the hardest. In a sense, this is her top 10 lists of ways to be humble, but these are practices. These are things we do in connection with God, in collaboration with God. Humility is elusive because we all are, to one degree or another, self-righteous a bit by nature. Yet when we start letting go of our need to prove ourselves to ourselves and to others, 
and we start letting go of the constructs that we create to convince ourselves and others that we're worthy, we make room for God's love and the compassion that births in us and others knows no bounds. We're called to lay out before God with complete honesty our full selves. And in doing so, we move to the space where the tax collector was in the temple. Help me. I've sinned. Have mercy on me. And that grows into show me the way. How do I use these gifts? We move to your will be done, not mine. Humility is a focus on God, anchoring ourselves in what God has done and what God is doing in our lives and the lives of others, instead of anchoring ourselves in ourselves alone, instead of extolling what we have done and what we are doing. Humility has us looking at who we are in God's eyes and who everyone else around us is in God's eyes. It's not saying and praying I'm horrible. It's saying and praying for mercy, forgiveness for what we've done. Reaching out to see how God is calling us to set aside our disdain. Reaching out to see how God is calling us to love one another. So may we leave here today seeing one another and seeing ourselves as God sees us. Beloved children, both broken and gifted and called to love one another as God loves us. Amen.